This is On the Pony Express after Stang's post-game show. Tune in after each SMU game for reaction, exclusive interviews, and more. Check out all our SMU coverage you need at OnThePonyExpress.com. A part of the On3 Network. Now, your host, Billy Embody. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the After Stang Show. I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for joining us. If you're on our YouTube channel, we've got a crowd a little bit outside of Shug's Bagels in Mockingbird Plaza, where we broadcast after every home SME football game. And, well, late kickoff, 8 p.m. Central in Ford Stadium. But SMU did wake up for that second half and exploded. 45-21 win over North Texas. SMU scored 20 uh, eight, I believe, or uh, 20, yeah, eight unanswered uh, points there in the second half to take that uh, 45 to 14 lead late into the fourth quarter. And look, this is a game that we knew going in SMU's offense was facing a question mark with Preston Stone, whether he'd play or not. And look, the coaching staff got word Thursday night that Preston was cleared. And look, I talked to sources going into this one. Uh, Talked to multiple people. We obviously heard from the coaches. Kevin Jennings took the reps Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and even during walkthrough, the final walkthrough on Thursday, um, it was still up in the air whether Preston Stone was going to be able to play. But they got cleared. Uh, They got him cleared on Thursday night. They went into game day. It's a late kick. um, And then you get to the stadium. And, you know, why change your tune in a way uh, when there's no one out there to ask you about it? And so Preston was warming up and was obviously ready to go. Um, and SMU came out and jumped up to a 7 nothing lead uh, with that Moochie Dixon eight-yard touchdown reception from Preston Stone. And that capped a six-play, 68-yard drive uh, in just 205 to open the scoring there uh, in that first quarter. And, you know, SMU uh, was able to overcome what was a half that was filled with some drops, uh, some inconsistency overall, some pressure by UNT's defense, which was, uh, which is statistically the worst in college football. And I, I think that gap widened by the final margin here uh, in Dallas. And, you know, this was a game that SMU's defense was looking to bounce back after, you know, some poor tackling against Rice. Statistically, it ended up working out. They, held uh, JT Daniels to 81 yards through the air before he was knocked out in one half. They had some things that went well down in Rice, but you could tell it wasn't that normal defense. Well, it took them that entire first half to settle in. And once they did, it was a tale of two halves. And I know that that's kind of used a little bit here and there to describe games, but let's look at the first half. SMU led 17-14 going into the half. They were just shy of uh, matching UNT's total offense output. SMU had 258 total yards, UNT 265. UNT was averaging uh, 7.2 yards per play, SMU just 6.1. I'd say that just in a comparison sense. And, you know, SMU was on their heels a bit. And then you flip to the second half, SMU outscores them 28 to 7, 28 points uh, to nothing for really the majority of that half, 294 total yards to 107. SMU's defense forced uh, two turnovers in that half. SMU didn't have a turnover. SMU won the turnover battle two to one. Preston Stone's interception in the first half, which Rhett Lashley described as a miscommunication on a deep ball, um, which you could kind of see. 
and then Jordan Hudson got tripped up, and so he wasn't even able to make a play on the ball. I don't know if it would have mattered, but a miscommunication uh, that Rhett Lashley kind of uh, you know took off Preston's plate, and SMU uh, used that second half uh, performance to build that uh, massive lead. And look, it's a cover against UNT. Uh, if you're betting the over-under, it got a little dicey there, but the under did hit. And I think you've got to unpack this in a few different ways. There are, once again, you step up kind of in competition in a sense. We knew that watching UNT's offense going into this one, they had a chance to move the ball. They moved the ball in Tulane. They moved the ball in Memphis. They were a team that was a second-half team. So when they hung around for the first half, it was kind of, okay, you're probably going to be in a, in a dogfight in this one. But SMU was able to just make adjustments at the half and step up and play really good team defense. Uh, they were able to take advantage of opportunities. Uh, the rushing attack for SMU in the second half, 203 yards on the ground. They were dominant uh, in that run game. For much of uh, the overall game, I felt like it was going well. Um, even in the first quarter, uh, by the end of the first quarter, they were on pace to rush for 240, 250 yards in the game. They finished. Uh, with uh, 318 yards on the ground, a really impressive showing by all four running backs that get the majority of the carries for SMU. They all scored touchdowns, or three of the, uh, yeah, Jalen Knighton, LJ Johnson, Kamar Wheaton, and Tyler Levine all scored touchdowns for SMU uh, in this one with Jalen Knighton going 17 carries, 129 yards. LJ Johnson, 20 carries, 106 yards. Preston Stone finished 11 of 20 for 234 yards. In this one, two touchdowns and that interception. So completed 55% of his passes. Here's the thing, though. When you look at, back on this game and that first half, <clears throat> Preston Stone had two critical drops. Uh, they had one to Jalen Knighton that was you know, really drawn up well, and it was just kind of coming to him and just didn't reel it in. Roderick Daniels, same thing. Um, they were you know, at a point where it was – you know, looking like they just didn't have their mojo. And Rhett Lashley kind of talked about that in the post game, and just how they were able to overcome that and get back on the same page. And uh, I asked him, I said, is this the most dominant half you've been a part of? And now, granted, there have been some pretty crazy scores. There have been some pretty crazy halves. But I felt like in terms of how the game went in the first half, I felt like this is this was SMU's most dominant half of football that I've seen in quite some time. And um, Rhett Lashley said it was dominant and, and, you know, credited a few different reasons for that. The three, the two 50 point halves were pretty good, but one of them, we weren't dominant all around. Right. So I, I probably because of where it was like <clears throat> the last two weeks, you've seen us in game pressure, you know, 17, 14 come out and then we get the ball hit two long runs and then we sputter and have to punt it or whatever we did. It's their ball. We went for a fourth down and didn't get it. Or I, I can't remember. And, um, you know, our defense comes out and makes a big stop, but they got the ball with a chance to go take the lead in the third quarter. And so I think it's really just big because of how we responded, how we finished. You know, we did what um, a really good team is supposed to do and <clears throat> in that second half, and, and it, it was pretty dominant. So, like I said, this wasn't a perfect game, and we'll get to a lot of questions. Uh, it is 12.45 as we're recording this. I – Joked with some players I saw on the way out. Hey, if you want uh, to swing by Shugs, uh, come through. But look, it's 1 a.m. I'm not uh, expecting anybody to swing through uh, for a uh, bagel and sit here with me. 
a lot of them are heading out with their families. So it's going to be a lot of post-game coverage uh, and getting to your questions here. But for SMU to deal with a team like North Texas that has played Memphis, Tulane, UTSA before SMU and play them to all one possession games. And you could argue they should have one, maybe two of those wins against those top teams in the American. This is a game that SMU wasn't going in overlooking similar to rice. They just were kind of faced with adversity similar to rice, but it came in a different form, which was SMU's defense being uh, just kind of moved on uh, in that first quarter in particular, uh, North Texas was able to put up 109, 189 total yards. They were averaging 9.5 yards per play. Everything they did was working and SMU found a way despite losing cornerback, Charles Woods, safety, Isaiah Wachovia. We'll get to some other injury talk in a minute, but they lost those guys and they had to kind of figure some things out. North Texas was doing a really nice job hitting some of the zones uh, with their post game, their skinny posts. They had a couple of receptions. There were some straight up kind of busts down the field. Uh, Jay Macklin's big reception, I think it was 54 yards from Chandler Rogers uh, was one of those. You just had moments where this defense just was not in position in the secondary and they were giving up explosive plays. And SMU, if you look at the, these explosive plays, SMU gave up seven pass plays that were deemed explosive. And you look at those, and five of the seven came in the first half. The other two were in the second half. One came late on that uh, touchdown to Blair Conright with with four minutes to go um, or two minutes to go, somewhere around there. And the other one was uh, you know late in the third quarter. So they were able to get everything in check. Again, SMU's defense, their keys are not giving up those explosive plays. And that is something that they've done a good job of for the most part this season. So it was very uncharacteristic for them to tackle poorly last week, but it was really uncharacteristic for them to give up the big explosive plays like they were early on. And they settled in and uh, Jahari Rogers um, just talked about the change in the defense and and what happened once he had an interception uh, in the second half that really kind of galvanized things and, and they were able to get things going in the right direction. To, we make it a key vocal point to like stop explosive plays, and that's what they were doing in the first half. And we came in, rallied, regrouped. Coach talked about there was explosive plays that they did hit. The D line said we're gonna strap up. The back end said we're gonna strap up. And shoot, we just started making plays in the back end, and no more explosive plays happened after that. Rhett Lashley's talked about this defense's mindset, and I forget. I think it was the Charlotte game where he was talking about how the defense gave up a touchdown and they came back to the sideline and they were ticked. And I can't imagine what it was like in that locker room. SMU probably could have called a timeout, given gotten the ball back to the offense, maybe tried to make something happen late in that first half, but they were getting the ball back after this uh, halftime. They opted to let the clock run, get to half, reset. And I mean, everything they touched in this, in the halftime conversation must've worked because SMU was able to do things on both sides of the ball that they, were able to do offensively in spurts in the first half, but defensively, a lot of it wasn't working overall. They settled in and played their brand of football. And, you know, a lot of people on the board are asking right now, what changed? And in the second half, I felt like that defensive line for SMU went from kind of getting pushed around um, and, and UNT being able to run on them and pass on them, do all these things. They got after Chandler Rogers. They dialed up some good pressures. Um, they they were able to contain him a little bit more, and UNT just kind of got worn down. And I think you've got to give credit 
uh, to this defensive line for what they were able to do. The secondary was able to settle in for SMU. And from there, UNT just looked like a totally different football team in the second half. And uh, SMU finishes with four sacks, seven tackles for loss uh, on the night. And um, they just were able to impose their will. And I, I think, again, last week they were facing a Rice offense that was ranked top 20 in passing uh, offense. This week they faced the number one offense statistically in the American, and they were able to do it uh, both ways uh, on the ground in the passing game against SMU in the first half. And, again, they made changes, and you saw a renewed sense of physicality from SMU, which, again, they were kind of pushed around in the first half. And I think it goes back to the leadership of this defense. Jonathan McGill came out hitting. Brandon Crosley came into the game. They're kind of – think in the first half towards the end and I felt like he made a difference he had a nice tackle for loss uh and and I think he made that tackle for loss and then they jumped off sides um and that actually allowed them to uh Cam Robertson ended up jumping off sides on the fourth down and that allowed UNT to kind of keep rolling um but what the big difference was in the second half was they got turnovers that fumble turned in complete pass look the ball didn't end up lying uh Chandler Rogers just had it slip out of his hands they were able to take advantage there um, on the short field and you know score, and it kind of opened the floodgates. But once SMU gets a turnover, they kind of feed off of it, and that's something this defense through league play. I think they forced a turnover in every single uh, AAC game so far, so they've gotten on a roll. That's really, really important, and they're winning the turnover battle, and that's something this defense feeds off of. Soon as that play happened, we knew it, they were over with. Like The D-line just kept attacking, and the back end was strapping up. So after that play, we was like, it's time to turn up and it's time to pop a bottle with the offense and the defense. Uh, Jahari's a fun interview. I've known him for a long, long time. The Arlington standout who started his career at Florida. He played quarterback at Arlington, ends up transferring back to SMU, and he's in a backup role. Um, but he came in, got more snaps when Charles Woods got hurt. We don't know his status. I didn't see him out there after he got hurt in the first half. Uh, Isaiah Wachobia, who got nicked up on that hit, did come back in and played some, um, but they had to rely on a guy like Brian Massey who has been hurt and hasn't had a, a great season. Um, he's in a backup role right now. They had to rely on him a little bit more than usual. C.J. Sanders was in there playing with Brandon Crosley. So this was a secondary that started out leaky. Um, again, they were able to circle the wagons around those turnovers and make things happen. And um, again, I, I think this defense – they're very much bend, but don't break. They want you to earn every yard. That didn't happen in the first half. They settled in and played their brand of football in the second half. Um, and you got to give them credit because that was something that it was really dicey going in the second half. Chandler Rogers, I think a lot of people saw in the first half just how impressive he is and why he's one of the top quarterbacks in the American right now. And he's going to you know, be a guy that is, is going to throw for a ton of yards and keep doing it this season. But um, they were able to circle the wagons and, that was really, really important, obviously, for SMU. I think so. You know, we didn't get a lot of pressure in the first half. <clears throat> um, you know, and, and he was able to have his time, and that's why they hit some down the field on us. And, and then he scrambled and, and kept some alive, and we knew that would be a challenge. Um, you know, he's I think he's a really good player, their quarterback, Rodgers. But, <clears throat> yeah, I think in the second half, we, we got a little more pressure. Uh, obviously, getting the two early turnovers was big. Um, because it just kind of got our guys going. I think got us going on defense a little bit. We had settled down in the second quarter, but it kind of got our kind of our mojo back a little bit. And 
to kind of flip over to the offensive side and until we get to some questions here in a minute, SMU was able to run the football at will. They really settled in on that. And when it comes to the injuries that SMU's faced throughout this season, I do want to highlight one. Moochie Dixon and Rhett Lashley revealed this. He got nicked up. Um, I believe it was uh, the Tulsa game and ended up coming back for the Rice game and, and had some opportunities, but it just didn't come together. Well, he revealed basically that he's playing with some sort of broken finger. Can't bend it. He was in a partial splint. So for him to come out the week after Jordan Curley gets unfortunately ruled out, ruled out for the season with that torn ACL and lead the team with three receptions for 99 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, that 52-yard reception, that was key. Um, and it probably could add another one if, if uh, there was a uh, pass interference called on it. But him battling through and just being consistent, and, and Rhett Lashley talked about how he was – I mean, and I agree with this. I thought he was the best wide receiver in fall camp and what he was doing. Um, for him to finally kind of break out, that's a good thing for SMU. You're going to need somebody like him to step up. You're going to need other guys to step up down the stretch. They did move Jordan Hudson to a completely opposite side from where he had been playing. He finished with one catch for five yards. It was on that third down play. They called a screen, and I think the next play they went deep, and it was a no pass interference call. I I think it was Mucci was fighting through, and the UNT defender kind of tackled him. And anyway, Rhett Lashley was beside himself on that one. But um, for Jordan Hudson, and somebody asked, you know, is he regressing? Is he doing this? Is he doing that? Like, no. I mean, he's going through a change right now as they flip him over to the other side of the ball. And there are still other receivers that are making plays. When you have a guy like Moochie Dixon who's making plays, he's going to see some more targets. Uh, they still have Keyshawn Smith out there. Romel Brinson made a heck of a catch uh, on a 31-yard gain. And actually, as he was coming down with it, he flipped the ball to one hand and he was able to palm it. I thought he was going to drop it, but uh, not many guys can make that type of a play. So you just saw different guys step up. And um, so I think Jordan Hudson's going to be fine. It's just a learning process as he now is to the opposite side of the field. He saw some snaps. Again, he got tripped up on that miscommunication on the interception. Wasn't able to do any sort of, you know, play on the ball. Um, but it was just one of those games. He switched over to a different side. And I think we saw kind of maybe his his involvement reflect that. And he's on the same side where a lot of people have been wondering, well, where's Jordan Curley? Keyshawn Smith is on that side. Where's Keyshawn Smith? So we're kind of seeing maybe some of that it'll just kind of be different for him as he's at that opposite side uh on the outside for smu so um the run game for smu to do what they did everybody was talking about it going into this one just run the football whether it's kevin jennings preston stone run the football they were able to do that and uh you know jalen knight was asked a couple questions about just the run game and running behind this offensive line that that saw so many injuries and Rhett Lashley really shined some light on the injuries that this offensive line is dealing with. Um, they lost Hyron White. I We didn't get a true update on him, but it, it looked like he was kind of grabbing his arm or wrist or something like that as he was coming off. And Justin Osborne kicked out the right tackle. Ja'Kai Clark came in at right guard. We saw some of Cam Irving. Ben Sparks played. Um, Logan Parr was battling. All those things. And that's what you got to do. And this offensive line settled down. Preston got sacked twice. Um, they gave up three tackles for loss. Uh, but really, they were able to settle in and uh, make a big difference in this one. That at, at, By the end of the third quarter, you could tell SMU was in complete control of this one. And a lot of that 
had to do with the defense stepping up, but also what SMU's offensive line was able to do physically whip UNT up front. We got a lot from that group, you know. Um, trying to think, one of the sacks wasn't on them. It was on, you know, our receiver ran the wrong route, and so then Preston held it, and <clears throat> I didn't know we had two, so I'm not sure what the other one was. But, um, yeah, I mean, you think Marcus Bryant was barely walking off the field last week. His back so beat up, and he played the whole game tonight. We didn't have P.J. Logan Parr's back last week. He didn't really practice all week. Ends up playing. Ben Sparks has been steady for us all year. I mean, Branson Hickman's the, the glue to that whole thing. He's been great. But then, yeah, we lose Hiram and <clears throat> on the shoulder. Just didn't have enough strength to come back in. And J.O., who's been up and down hurt, you know, without P.J., now without Hiram, he goes to right tackle. J.O. has not repped right tackle this year. I mean, he has before, and he's super talented. And we always knew he was a, a guy that could pop out. And we run for 320 yards or whatever <clears throat> and play really well with that group. So, yeah, we had three backs run really, really well. And it was a good team effort running the ball. But the O-line deserves all that credit. I mean, it was very important for us. That's why we all took this took the preparation so serious because we're watching film. And we know we've seen a lot of other teams have an explosive run game on them. So we just tried to execute and make sure that we follow our details and make sure that we stand on our keys so that we can perform right. Jalen, the offensive line in front of you got shuffled in the first half when Hiring got hurt. J.O. moved out to tackle. From your spot as a running back, do you even notice when there's a change in the personnel in front of you? To be honest with the group of guys that we have, um, no, because if one go down, the next one could just replace them. But yeah, because of J.O. and Hiring did height difference, I, I, I totally noticed it. But I got fully confident in J.O. and getting the job done. So it, it, was, it was just a good replacement. Yeah, uh, Jalen Knight is one of the fun quotes on this team, uh, as you can tell. But the run game was so key for SMU tonight. Uh, again, 318 yards on the ground, multiple 100-yard rushers. And I think that was a good statement game on, the, on that front. I know it's against the worst rush defense in the country. But SMU has not been consistently a good running football team. They've been able to do it. You just at sometimes, and this is kind of where it's, you know, you watch an SMU game as a, from a fan perspective, and you're sitting there and you're just saying, man, they're at the goal line, you know, run the football. Trust me, I get it. Rhett Lashley talked about that um, in his press conference. You can watch it on theponyexpress.com uh, and talked about how, you know, Tyler Levine was, you know, getting ready to go in and, and get the ball. And it just, you know, kind of, he just owned it. He was like, we probably should have ran it. Um, but the thing about this rushing attack tonight was it didn't really matter who was in there. And Kamar Wheaton, we saw what we know he can do when he's healthy. That was really important. Him getting in the end zone showed great burst. Jalen Knighton, he had those back-to-back over 20-yard runs, capped one with a touchdown run, which was a good bounce back for him after that drop pass. Um, LJ Johnson just ran physical. This is a team that's really starting, and we kind of saw this last year outside of the Tulane game in November. SMU knows, in I think, in their kind of heart that they are a physical football team that is in better shape than a lot of these teams they're going to face. They have better depth, and we're seeing that kind of start to take over again late in this season. They really do. Last week, 
we get it. Special teams, short fields, you know, all the things, block punt return for touchdown, all those things were bad, and they set up SMU's defense and, you know, in bad spots. But this is a team that, you know, can eat up six and a half minutes of game clock like they did. They ran the ball, I believe, every single uh, play of that drive that um, LJ Johnson had 66 of the 70 yards on that drive that uh, put SMU up 45-14. LJ Johnson capped it with a three-yard touchdown run. That's the type of dominance that, regardless of who you're playing, you deserve credit for. And SMU showed that they're going to face a tougher test against Memphis next week, 11 a.m. at the Liberty Bowl. We all know that. But to get some of these positive confidence-building pieces going into the final I mean, if SMU wins this game, I don't know the tiebreakers and things like that, but you're looking at a very, very strong chance to make an AAC championship game appearance. You have Navy at home the week after Memphis. So SMU's got to take care of business, obviously, next week. Let's get to some questions uh, about this game overall. We'll rapid fire them as best we can. Um, And obviously next week, we'll have Tuesday press conference, Wednesday press conference at SMU and practice availability and all those things before they get on the road and head to Memphis where they haven't won in a long, long time. And I've talked about it at various points on our podcast here at OnThePonyExpress.com, but SMU has done a good job in conference of kind of vanquishing some some demons, going on the road last year and winning at Tulsa, sending Houston on their way. Um, They did beat Memphis last year. They've done some things that, you know, past SMU teams just haven't. So they're going to have to go on the road next week and vanquish a demon. And that is beat a Memphis team that has all the capabilities to beat SMU. If SMU plays an entire game like they did in the first half, if SMU plays like they did in the second half, they're going to have a real good chance uh, to win at Memphis on Saturday. But let's get into the questions. Beacon's Pony, biggest surprise from this win. I, I think I, I've got to say, I thought Jahari Rogers stepping up like that was a really nice surprise. But a bigger surprise was that Brandon Crosley played. He was available. He's been available. There's kind of some talk about, you know, they could redshirt him. Well, now he is staring that if he plays another game, he can't redshirt and he can't come back. So SMU is trying to get through this game in all likelihood without playing Brandon Crosley. Um, and they now have a decision to make when they go on the road at Memphis are you going to play him and not have him back next year because he's a good veteran nickel for you? Or are you going to play him and just push all your chips in? And I'd be fine either way. I really would. So that was probably the biggest surprise for me. Brandon Crosley uh, finished uh, on the night uh, with uh, two tackles, including one tackle for loss. Again, I believe that tackle for loss came when uh, UNT was uh, going to line up to uh, kick a field goal. SMU jumped off sides. They end up going for it on fourth down, getting it, scoring a touchdown a couple plays later. Um, any insights in the, adju- the adjustments? I really do think that for SMU's defensive line, they just found a way to be more physical and wear down this, this UNT offensive line. I think that's not an adjustment. There probably were adjustments. I think probably tweaking some rush lanes and things like that because of the rushing attack for UNT that was uh, on, on pace to have a big day against SMU. Uh, If you look at the first half, 96 yards, they were held to uh, just 36 in the second half. So they fixed some of those things. But in the secondary, they were able to tweak those zones and tweak how they were lining up on the back end and 
Um, you know, Jahari, Jahari Rogers' interception was prime example of that. You know, he listened up and uh, locked in and, you know, he, he knew that they were going to go his way and he turned and made the interception. So those are some of the biggest adjustments. I mean, I think for SMU's offense, they weren't playing badly. They were not executing in critical moments. They were dropping passes. Um, there were uh, pressures allowed on the offensive line that were cleaned up. And Preston Stone was a little erratic at moments in the first half. But again, when you get some of those drops, you don't get some of those PI calls that, I mean, the ref, the refereeing was just, the officiating was all over the place tonight. I felt like overall, um, some of those things don't go your way. And that kind of goes into, you know, just a solid night for him. That interception hurt for sure. Um, but, um, you know, SMU just, I think they, they cleaned some things up defensively. I felt like they tackled well for the most part tonight. Once they figured out kind of some adjustments to make in terms of maybe some lining lining up uh, defensively, um, what does Memphis have to do, or what does Memphis take away from this game when they review the film? Uh, I think the similar execution that they're going to try to pull from it is in the passing game. I think those are some shots uh, between various zones that they're going to try to take away uh, and take away from the game, and then execute on their end. Um, with with Seth Hennigan back there at quarterback. And then defensively, I mean, you know, pressure on Preston Stone and containing him with said pressure is probably the biggest thing they could try to take away from this game. And Memphis, you know, they have athletes. They always do. They're going to feel like they can line up and, you know, shut down this SMU receiving core. I mean, that's probably one of the things they're going to be feeling like going into this one. So that'll be a critical matchup going into next week, as is the health of the offensive line. Uh, Couchum uh, had horrible busts on D in the first half, giving up easy deep balls. That seems to be fixed at halftime. What's the cause of this? Was our secondary not executing correctly as individuals, or did this look like UNT exploiting a weakness in our scheme or some combination? I think some combination. Some of those shots that they were able to take, there were a couple times where a couple big hits were made. Uh, I know Jonathan McGill... Jonathan McGill had one of their uh, uh, big hits on a third down conversion in the second half. Uh, in the first half, there were just little shots on skinny posts that were there um, and that they were hitting on timing. And so I think defensive line pressure that wasn't there in the first half came through in the second, which is important. Um, but I, I feel like it, it was a combination. And, and remember, this is an SMU secondary loss. Charles Woods early. Um, he's been a very important piece. But at the same time, I do want to remind folks that Jay Macklin was coming in as a dominant, dominant player, and he had two receptions on the night, one being a 54-yard completion uh, that was early in the uh, either first quarter or the second, but he was quiet, and he was averaging 17 yards per catch going into this one and was their dominant receiver, and they were able to bottle him up. So they did something right um, to kind of clean all that up and, and just be more fundamentally sound, I think, like two. Uh, injuries that I noticed, Charles Woods left, couldn't really tell what it was. We don't have an update on him. They're not too big on that uh, post game, you know, without knowing. Hyron White, uh, I think Rhett Lashley just said a shoulder. Um, we'll see if he's able to come back for next week. That would be a big loss um, for the Mustangs. Um, uh, Isaiah Wachobia came back and played through his injury, uh, which judging by the hit, it probably looked like he hurt his sh- shoulder again and he's playing through some things. And unless I'm missing something, that's uh, probably it. Um, Couchum, why leave it ambiguous? Uh, 
for Preston Stone when they announced him that he would start uh, a few hours before the game. Well, SMU, I don't, they don't believe they they didn't announce it. They were asked by a reporter a few hours before the game, and uh, they confirmed that he was going to start. So, I mean, I don't, I didn't see uh, a tweet that was like, "Here's your guy, he's back" or whatever. Um, but I mean, I thought Kevin Jennings was going to start. I really did. Uh, but Preston got cleared Thursday night, and they went with him. He's been your starter, and he was out there at practice. It wasn't like he was in concussion protocol and wasn't in, you know, um, wasn't able to be outside in the light. He was doing mental reps behind Kevin Jennings as he was taking snaps this week. So he was out there. Uh, but I, I tell you, it was kind of all over the place, uh, depending on who you asked. And, and um, there was a very real chance that Kevin was going to start tonight. Uh, what's up with kickoffs? Uh, yeah, the um, I don't know. I mean, I will I will say this. SMU has a uh, analyst, and I'm forgetting his name because we're on live or whatever, but that is a kicking coach that has worked with Colin a lot. And I think it's a consistency thing and kickers we've seen over the years, just, I mean, I've, I've said that I've told the story before. Will Reichard uh, at Alabama is the number one kicker in the country coming out of high school. They were ready to run him out of town as a freshman and he bounced back and he's now the all time leading scorer in Alabama history. Obviously they've had some offenses that can roll, but um, it's not always perfect with young kickers and, Collins, a sophomore who had offseason back surgery. I know it's been a while since then, but just another year would probably help get him on track. I mean, he didn't, I don't believe he started really kicking again until the summer. So um, it's got to be just a consistency thing because he actually booted a couple, I think, out of the back of the end zone tonight. Um, I know one for sure, but, um, you know, it's just, I feel like it's a consistency thing. Um, Mark uh, W. Forwalk. Uh, as two fourth downs and SMU tries the bomb. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that is kind of what they do. Um, and it's kind of in vogue across college football. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's just analytically, you know, things are going to be kind of balanced versus a gut feel thing. And, um, I, that's, that's sometimes it works out. I thought on the fourth down call that they called that they ran, the screen to Jordan Hudson, I, as soon as they called that, I knew they were setting up to run a fourth down play. It was still fourth and medium. I believe it was fourth and four, fourth and five. And they had what they wanted. They had a one-on-one matchup. And, you know, nine times out of ten, I, I've got to believe that's whenever it's kind of that situation where you're coming back to the ball, um, you're going to get a call. And that's kind of how it's designed. Uh, you want a one-on-one matchup. You get it. You take it. And that's kind of the name of the game. So um, there's some moments in the red zone inside the, you know, uh, inside the, uh, uh, well, they ended up kicking a field goal, but uh, they should have ran the ball inside the 10. Rhett Lashley said that after the game. Um, So always some puzzling moves, but also in context. I mean, they went 50% on fourth downs uh, too. And one of them, uh, one of them was a, a, two of them were runs, I believe. Um, Yep. Uh, Dark Horse asked the same thing. Uh, again, the red zone uh, inside the 10 where they ran it or they passed twice, including when they were in heavy package. They should have ran it. Um, that's what Rhett Lashley said after the game. SMU alum 11 asked critical injuries. We ran those down. Uh, two, will we have everybody in my Memphis? I don't know. Um, uh, he asked me a guess. I would say, I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't know if Hyron White or Charles Woods can go. 
Um, those are the two big ones that I guess we're going to be watching now. Um, but, you know, they didn't return, which is never a good sign. Uh, Whiskey Pony, any play calls that aren't run or throw it deep? Uh, Rhett Lashley did mention this, and if you if you studied the matchup going into this one, North Texas is, in, is installing that uh, Tulsa defense that gave SMU fits for years. It's basically a drop eight. Uh, they don't have the defensive linemen to do it, which is why every team in the country can run on them. Uh, but it's the short passing game is just not necessarily there in that defense. And I felt like the fourth down slant was – it was a bad throw. It was behind. It was definitely behind him. Uh, but that was the one uh, from the five-yard line, I believe it was, when they threw it. Um, that was just a bad throw. Um, again, if they set themselves up a little bit better and, and, uh, run it, you know, that would have been better. But, um, yeah, I mean, this defense is, I, SMU was able to get some pretty big explosive plays on it, which is not normally the case. Um, with that, I think, oh, one more, um, whiskey pony, uh, might be a question for Lashley, but he said, do what your QB likes. Is it possible? We are kowtowing to what Preston wants because he's just taps backyard football and chucking it deep uh, all game long. I know we're getting away with it to agree right now against teams with uh, talent ranked in the 80s, 90s, 100s. Um, it doesn't seem sustainable whatsoever, but we don't seem interested in any kind of balance, short or intermediate passing attack, which I addressed earlier on the facing this defense and this scheme, at least relative to this week. Um, I felt like last week you saw the intermediate game come together. Uh, against Rice, uh, Jordan Hudson's touchdown was one. Um, yeah, they had a couple other completions over the middle. Kevin Jennings had one for, to convert a third down. Um, best of used to compete in New York, New York Six and in the ACC next year. What needs to change and can it? I mean, this is this is a lot of the power spread. I mean, like you're going to try to run the football a little bit more than they probably want to, but they're coming on in terms of – they ran it 45 times against Rice. I think they ran it around the same against Tulsa, unless I'm going nuts here. And then they ran it 55 times without the kneels uh, at the end of the game So and, and at the end of the first half. So pretty darn good uh, in terms of uh, running the football, which everybody wants uh, SMU to do more of. But this is, I mean, part of it right now, and I think if you had a true wide receiver one, we're having a very different discussion and SMU just doesn't have one right now. And that's the reality of it. And some games you're seeing RJ Maryland get a shot down the seam. You're seeing him get in the flat like he did uh, early in this one. You're seeing opportunities for him, but again, against, against this type of defense, the just the windows are pretty tight. So um, in terms of what needs to change, they just need to go out in the portal and find an alpha receiver or somebody needs to develop into one. And some of those deep shots that we keep talking about are going to change. And Preston just needs to get more comfortable back there. We've seen him kind of be all over the place in terms of intermediate, consistent success this season. And tonight was, you know, uh, probably a little bit all over the place. But, man, when you have two uh, – I call them squirrel routes in uh, in high school because you used to hide the little running back and send him down the seam. But – you had Jalen Knighton and Roderick Daniels who dropped those over the middle. Uh, Roderick's might not have been a scroll route, but he was on a dig. And, I mean, that's probably an intermediate chunk completion. Uh, I have to go back and watch it. But, um, you know, I think he could have scored maybe. But uh, Jalen Knighton, I mean, that's a right down the middle of the field shot, which, you know, you can throw it a little earlier and 
uh, it can be intermediate. I mean, it just has to come together. But yeah, you're right. The passing attack doesn't look like Rhett Lashley was uh, like when Rhett Lashley was calling plays his first go around. SMU also had Reggie Robertson, Danny Gray, uh, James Prochet. I mean, it was a different time. Kylan Granson. Uh, those are all guys that are playing in the league um, right now to to some level. Or maybe Reggie's not. I'm not sure. But um, he might be on a practice squad. But it's, it's just different. And, you know, you have a different quarterback who, you know, everybody complained when Tanner or even Shane at times, like, locked on and, and went deep. And now it's a very different looking offense. So you have a very different looking quarterback. Same would go if Kevin Jennings was in there. Um, it would look like Auburn uh, with Nick Marshall if Kevin Jennings was in, it, was in there. I really do believe that. And so, yeah, it doesn't look like what it was when he was here the first round. But um, different personnel, different times. So with that, guys, uh, yeah, yes, Isaiah Smith, uh, one last comment. Isaiah Smith came out and had a great game. I noticed him a lot more. Three tackles, uh, one sack, tackle for loss. Uh, he had a big game, and he got more opportunities. I do think that was a little bit of adjustment, feeding him a little bit more on the field. So with that, guys, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, it is 121. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed SMU's 45-21 win over UNT. You cover. Uh, if you're betting on the over-under, you hit the under. So with that, guys, thanks for listening. Check out on theponyexpress.com. Just a dollar to join. And check out Chug's Bagels and Mockingbird Plaza for all your bagels. Great group here, and they just opened a new location on Lemon. So shout out to uh, this SMU-owned business for killing it, uh, like always, and being our home uh, for the post-game show after home games. We'll be back here after the Navy game, uh, Thanksgiving week, and we'll be back at On the Pony Express with all your coverage. Is now SMU faces Memphis on Saturday, 11 a.m., looking to punch another win uh, to their resume for that AAC championship game berth. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll catch you guys with another After Staying Show next week. Thanks for listening to the On the Pony Express podcast with Billy Embody. Follow us on your socials on X at SMU on 3 and on Instagram at On3SMU. And keep it locked to OnThePonyExpress.com for more coverage.